This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, I'm about to say the least controversial thing I have ever said on this program. Everything else that I say, whether it's about the uh, the New York Mets, whether it's about uh, the political system, whether it's about aliens, it's always a big division. People agree, people disagree, and it's not enough that they agree or disagree. They have to destroy the side that they disagree with. This is the least controversial thing I have ever said on this program. Our political system is a total and complete mess. This is seemingly the only thing that Americans agree on. Now, we may have disagreements over the causes. Democrats may blame Donald Trump. Republicans may blame the Trump opponents. But the one thing that is abundantly clear is that our political system is a mess. Our, the polls show American politics is at historic levels of frustration and dissatisfaction, and one wonders, how bad can it get? How long can this continue? You have about half the country that thinks the biggest problem in the world is Donald Trump, and about half the country that thinks the biggest problem in the world is Joe Biden. My view is somewhat different. My view is that the problem in America today is not Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It's a political system that produces a Donald Trump versus Joe Biden rematch, which appears what we're headed to next year, that nobody seems to want. So until we can reform the political process itself, everything else is totally academic. Well, speaking of academics, we have, uh, I believe, I don't think I'm out of line saying this, the nation's academic that has spent the most time thinking about this stuff. He is a senior fellow with the New America Foundation's political reform program. He's author of a terrific book called Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop and the co-host of the Politics in Question podcast. Gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome Dr. Lee Drutman. Lee, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hey, glad to, to be talking about something non-controversial. Uh, <laughs> wait until they hear your controversial though, right? Ex ex exactly. Wait till they hear your solutions. We'll, we'll, we'll spice <laughs> up the controversy aspect of this in just a minute. All right. Before we talk about your solutions, let's talk about the problem. What's the matter with politics today? What is the doom loop that you reference in your book? So uh, the doom loop that, that I reference in my book, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop, is basically what, what you're describing, this frustration where our politics just keeps getting more intense, more anger-driven, more hate-driven. It just feels like everybody's fighting all the time and uh, ratcheting up of, of political conflict. Uh, we have a, a politics in which... Uh, th there's just this tit for tat, tit for tat escalation. Uh, hey, you're going to impeach our president. We're going to impeach your president. You're going to censor our, us. We're going to censor you. You're going to try to change the election rules. We're going to try to change the election rules. And it, in the process, we, we are destroying the shared legitimacy of a political system uh, that we've spent a lot of time building up in this country. Uh, and you know, the, the fundamental foundation of democracy is that we have a shared sense of fairness, a shared sense of what the rules are, and we can all agree to play by them. But when we lose, when we lose that sense, and we treat our 
political opponents, not as political opponents, but as as enemies, as threats to the country, it's very hard to maintain a democracy. And, and I really do feel that uh, we are staring into the abyss as things continue to get worse and worse and this doom loop continues to escalate. Not only in your book, but in so much of your other writing and scholarship, you make the case for more than two political parties. Uh, whenever I think of the uh, the thinking on political parties and the two major parties, I'm reminded of a terrific episode of The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror from the fall of 1996, which I reference all the time and I think has only gotten more true the more vitriol oh, has been aimed at, love, at the third party, at the third party's <laughs> fear. Now, if people haven't seen The Simpsons or they don't remember it basically the election was between bob dole and bill clinton and aliens i believe it was kang and kodos come and kodos uh, yes <laughs> they come and take over the bodies of bob dole and bill clinton so this way whoever wins the aliens still win we elect an alien president now with that in mind when their scheme is exposed before the election one voter in Springfield has a very unique solution. Well, maybe not so unique for how to deal with this. Let me take you back in time to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror in 1996. Listen to this. It's true. We are aliens. But what are you going to do about it? It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. You're right. This is a two-party system. Well, I believe I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away! (laughs) 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 You see a very dejected Ross Perot who was running that year tearing up his campaign literature. And the reason it's so funny is because no matter how bad the two-party choices are in any given election, in any given year, that's what I hear. Even if it's two aliens running as the Democrat and Republican, if you even think about voting for a, a an alternative, you're viewed as that laughable guy uh, who had an idea of voting for someone other than the aliens because it's just throwing your vote away. I, explain to folks, Lee, why America needs more than just two political parties. Uh, well, don't blame me, Frank. I, I voted for Kodos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you and Homer. Uh, Yes. Uh, well, the the problem is that we, we have this very diverse and large country in which a, a lot of people feel that they aren't well represented by either of the two parties. You have roughly 45 percent of Americans who identify as political independent. You have a lot of a lot of folks who who feel that nobody's listening to them and. We have a lot of pressing problems that we have to deal with as a country. Uh, And so we have a system in which all that happens is we keep fighting the same fight over and over again for these narrow margins. And the way that the parties win elections is by stoking polarization demonizing the other side, creating a sense of extremism, because that's what the system is designed to do now that we've polarized along uh, regional uh, and, and cultural lines, which we'll talk about how we got here later. But now that we're in this situation, 
There's no opportunity for, for new parties to emerge to, to realign and reorient our political system. So instead, we're stuck with the same trench warfare, digging ourselves deeper and deeper into a hole. And the, the, the solution is that we, we need to have some sort of political truce. But the only way we're going to have a political truce is if we have a politics in which there's not one party that's trying to dominate everything. The fundamental incentives of our political system are for one side to demonize the other side and, and try to gain total control by making the other side seem too extreme and vice versa, up and up and down, back and forth. This is, this is you know, twirling, twirling, always twirling. Uh, we're going to do more, more, more references from, from that, that wonderful House of Horrors episode. Uh, and it, it just it creates a... a an environment in which there's no way out unless we open up the political space and suddenly the the game of politics is to build winning coalitions not to dominate and that allows for more voters to feel like their votes are heard not not the same sense that the system doesn't represent me you know screw it all uh and it, it means that parties have to compete and vote and, and win votes on on a positive message what they're going to do, not just the lesser of two evils. There's no phrase lesser of three evils. Well, actually, the, it was the original title of a martial arts film that was later renamed Fist of the Warrior. And that was, that was what I found in researching my book. But Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It it seems like the biggest reform that you're proposing that would uh, help the system and stop producing such mediocre outcomes with such uh, political toxicity is proportional representation. Is that right? Is that the biggest reform that you think the system needs? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's exactly what we need. Through through a multi-member district allocated proportionally, it's Frankly, it's what most democracies have, what most democracies use, is rather than having these single winner-take-all elections, we have elections in which we have more winners, more parties that can get representation, and we can find some ways to have some new coalitions and new compromises, more flexibility, more representation. Uh, It's just a, a better system of representing the diversity of a of a large country like ours and of forging more innovative solutions to what are some quite quite difficult problems that we have to deal with as a nation. Most people listening have never voted in a proportional representation election. This might be the first time that a lot of folks are even hearing the term. And I'm wondering if you can just take a second and explain how that might work in the United States. If we were to transition to a uh, proportional representation system rather than a single member district plurality, first past the post system, what would our elections look like? Well, what uh, in some ways they, they would look quite similar in that you go to the polls, you, you vote, you get choices. Uh, but wh- how they would look different is that you would have more choices, you would see more parties, 
And the, the way that we would most likely accomplish this would be that we would have multi-member districts. So instead of slicing up New York City into a bunch of different districts, for example, you know, you'd see a handful of parties and then you wouldn't have one person who represents a given district, but you'd rather have multiple representatives who represent different constituencies throughout the city. Or you know, you take it in, in any other geographic area, the idea is why, why do we have these single member districts in which the, the lines are constantly re redrawn, don't make any sense in terms of correspondence to existing uh, geographical boundaries. It's a, it's, a, it's a very weird thing when you stop and think about it. I mean, what, what right. is a, there's no natural boundary around a congressional district and, and what it winds up happening is what happened in, in New York State, which is that you have the Democratic legislature, they try to gerrymander the heck out of things by moving all these district lines around, totally arbitrary. Then the, then the Republicans say, hey, that's too much. The court says, yeah, you're right. The court redraws it. Now, are, they, are we going to redraw it again? Like, like what, what is the point of doing this over and over again when you could just make more natural geographic uh, boundaries that have multiple representatives? And then, then you, you, you don't have a problem with gerrymandering anymore uh, because there's just fewer lines to draw. And in a single member district, the whole game is to disperse your voters most efficiently. But why are we representing? Why, why should that be part of politics? Why should it matter how the, how the lines are drawn to determine which party has control of Congress? And why should voters be uh, stuck in a district that is not competitive? 90% of elections are not competitive. You only have one choice, essentially. It's bizarre when you stop and think about it, but it's the air we breathe. It's like the old Yiddish expression to a, to a worm in horseradish. The horseradish is the sweetest thing in the world because it's the only thing that, that, the, that the worm knows. Uh, you know, I'd never heard of that, uh, but I like that. If people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Lee Drutman, uh, distinguished scholar and political scientist, also the author of uh, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop. I also, uh, since we do have a big audience in New York City, I can't let you forget New York City's only other elected congressional Republican, the inimitable George Santos, who uh, represents oh, parts of Queens. Oh, that's <laughs> but, right. That's right. His district does cover parts of Queens. But uh, your point's well taken. Uh, a lot of folks say, though, whether we're talking state legislative, whether we're talking congressional, whether we're talking even on the city council level, that it's nice to have someone go to Washington or go to the state capitol or go to city hall and fight for your district, your district's unique needs. Wouldn't we lose a little bit of that if we had these larger districts where there was nobody fighting for your neighborhood or your little county? I think what you would see, and because this is what you see in democracies with uh, multiple representatives from the same district is that you you have a larger team of people who are there representing your district. Instead of having just one representative, maybe you have eight representatives, and you can go. You have eight people who you can go to and ask for constituent service. And what's going to happen is that. They're going to be competing with each other to to do the most for the district. And that's frankly what you see in mm -hmm. in countries with multi-member representation is more focus on constituency service. Right now, if you have somebody in your district, you're you're stuck with that person. Maybe you're a 
Republican and they're a Democrat. Maybe they're a Democrat and you're a Republican, uh, and they don't represent you at all. Maybe they, they're not very good at constituency service because, again, they're in a safe district and, and their their reelection is basically guaranteed. Well, right. you know, so sorry, you only have one option. If it doesn't work out for you, that's, uh, that's too bad. And by the way, we have multi-member districts in the Senate. New York State has two senators. Do people feel like they get worse service because they have two senators? Would they rather only have one senator? It's a great point. Now, when when you talk about proportional representation and a lot of the democracies around the world that, that, that use them, some people point to proportional representation as a source of instability in governments abroad. If you look at how uh, frequently countries like Italy have changed governments, uh, and certainly if you look at the number of times that Israel has had elections over the course of the last six or seven years, I think there's been six or seven um rounds of elections in Israel within the last four or five years, all at substantial uh, cost to the taxpayer. A lot of folks may look at that and say, why is that a better system than what we have in the United States? Why is it? Well, one, we have elections every two years here, uh, which is actually more frequent than most proportional systems. But I mean, it's true that there are some countries that have that have snap elections more frequently. I mean, that, that wouldn't happen if we had in proportional representation here because we do have a fixed election timetable in our constitution. Uh, but I mean, your, your point that there is a certain amount of coalitional instability in uh, in, in proportional systems. I mean, that, that this is true. Coalitions shift as as political winds shift. Sometimes coalitions fall apart and new coalitions form. I mean, again, we we have have new coalitions essentially every two years because one party of Congress changes. So, I mean, that, that like it's again, we don't appreciate that what we have most of the time are fail are are, are governments that are struggling to make coalitions right. because we don't we don't think of it that way. But in, in reality, our system is is just as unstable, if not more unstable, because it's really hard to call a new election. And say, well, you know, this coalition has broken down. The issues have changed. We need a new election. We need to form a new coalition. Uh, and it's not like the country stops working. They just have a caretaker government, which is the same thing that, uh, as we have, but we call it a lame duck government. So we tend to see these differences as m- much more stark than they are. Than they are. I mean, I, I, I'll grant you that that Israeli politics is quite unstable now. Um, although I would uh, say two things about that. One is imagine if Israel had a two-party system, right. uh, it, it, that then the country would be, I think, in, in civil war at this point. So you know, the proportional system, I mean, it is struggling to manage this divided time in, in Israeli politics, but Israel is muddling through and there will be another election and I'm guessing that things will, will move in the opposite direction. At some point, Israel has to figure out a constitution, I think, is what what we're learning from what's happening in Israeli politics. Uh, you know, I mean, Italian politics is, is fluid. You know, I mean, that's the, the nature of politics is that coalitions change. Sure. Uh, most Makes people sense. that I talk to from Italy, you know, would rather have their system with the choices and the fluidity than than our system. 
And if people are trying to imagine what a conversion from mostly single member district plurality to proportional representation might look like, one example might be New Zealand, which went under a similar underwent similar transition about 30 years ago. How has this transition worked out for New Zealand in terms of political outcomes? Well, New Zealand is uh, a country that is you know, consistently among the, the top tier of democracies. It's you know, everybody that you talk to who's studied New Zealand or comes from New Zealand will say that the, the system works well. I mean, it's widely considered a success that that New Zealand politics was somewhat dysfunctional in the 1980s under a system of single winner elections. There was a uh, a referendum in which New Zealanders overwhelmingly decided they wanted a different system. They moved to a system of proportional representation. And, uh, you know, again, by every account, New Zealand politics has worked quite well since. Uh, it's uh, better representation uh, uh, for, for the, uh, the uh, indigenous Maori population there uh, on, under this system. And uh, again, you know, has created a, a level of moderation and political stability. I mean, granted, New Zealand is a, a small country, uh, but the general consequence has been extremely positive. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. When I bring up proportional representation on the radio, a lot of people point to Nazi Germany and the rise of Hitler as a reason that proportional representation won't work. They say, hey, look, they had proportional representation in Germany and the Nazis emerged and it would empower demagogues and extremists who may hold the key to uh, delivering a governing coalition to one group or another and allow them to come into power. Are you trying to give us Hitler, Lee Drutman? No, I'm not trying to give anybody Hitler. That, that, that theory has been, been wildly discredited. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons why Nazi Germany happened, um, but it's not because they had proportional representation. They also had a, a, a winner-take-all presidential system, by the way. But anyway, I mean, I mean there, there's a certain amount of, of I mean, there's only so much political institutions can manage, and given the uh, tumultuous politics of 1930s Germany, I, I don't think any set of, of governing political institutions could have managed, that, especially when a lot of folks in Germany did not want democracy. So I'm not I'm not trying to give anybody <laughs> the whole the whole concept well, is, is ludicrous. Now, I mean, but but there is a there is a core of something there, which is this idea that well does do. Uh, proportional systems allow extremist parties to have some representation. And, and the answer is they do. Now, th there is a, a tremendous amount of scholarship devoted to this question of how uh, do different 
electoral systems manage political extremism. And the way in which proportional systems manage political extremism is that the, the coalitions are more fluid. So if there's a, a pariah party, an extreme far right party, for example, no other governing, no other party that wins seats to the, the legislature will form a coalition with that party. And you need 51% of, or majority of, of seats in the, in the legislature in a coalition in order to, to effectively govern. So it's often referred to as the cordon sanitaire. Uh, and, and, and you see that happen. The, the other thing that happens sometimes is that uh, 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 mainstream parties will, will form a coalition with the more extreme parties to govern, but those more extreme parties will be the junior partner in the coalition, and often they will wind up moderating a bit in, in order to maintain power, and they will lose some of their support, which is mostly uh, comes from being an outsider. And the reason that they have some somewhat limited power is the same reason why the cordon sanitaire works is because more mainstream parties have other options in forming governing coalitions. It's not a it's not a binary system. So if you if you think think to the U.S. and you think about what happened with Kevin McCarthy and trying to become Speaker of the House in January, and he went through all these rounds of, of voting in which he kept losing until eventually he gave some concessions to the 20 folks on the far right. But the reason that he had to do that ultimately is because there was no center-left party or center party that would have made a deal with him uh, in order to be, for him to become speaker. So the, the lack of a middle party or lack of center parties gives uh, the, the, the extremes much more political power. And... So, I mean, it's it's true that, that sometimes coalitions form that, that have extreme parties in them, but the, you know, and unless the, the society is incredibly polarized, which sometimes is, that center party, that politics is going to always return back to the center because there are center parties. I'm just about out of time, but there's a couple of very quick areas that I have to go over with you before I let you go. And we've been talking with Lee Drutman. If you want to learn more about in detail some of the issues we've been talking about, check out his book, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop. A lot of cities used to have proportional representation. Where I live in New York City, we had it for about 12 years. Other cities like Cincinnati had it. Most American cities abandoned proportional representation are there any cities in America that still use this system? And, and, and if you know, can you mention one or two of them? Uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts still uses it, and Portland, Oregon recently uh, readopted it. Now, now, the form of proportional representation that New York City and many other cities had uh, was known as the single transferable vote, which was a, uh, a system of ranked choice voting. In many places, it was nonpartisan. And what it didn't do was it didn't really create stable, multiple stable parties because it was really, a, as as ranked voting systems are, they're really candidate-oriented systems, which is why I think if we move to a system of proportional representation, we ought to use an open party list system, which is the, the dominant form of proportional representation in which parties put forward list candidates and then voters select among those candidates 
which gives parties some control and, and a, a reason to organize into political parties. The challenge with the, the systems that uh, were, were, were implemented in the U.S. is they, they really didn't put parties at the center of things, and that's why they were unstable. But I, I, I detail the, this whole argument about the, the centrality and importance of political parties in reform in, in a new white paper at New America called More Parties, Better Parties, which folks can download from the New America website at newamerica.org. I, I read that or, or report. and. Yeah, no, it's 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 very good. And a lot of folks are going to listen to this wherever they fall on the political spectrum and say, look, you guys are wasting your time talking about these pie in the sky political reform ideas when in reality we've got a lot of real problems in the country right now and on the planet now. We're dealing with problems like climate change, uh, high taxes, people can't afford their rent. We're dealing with crime. We're dealing with a border crisis. Uh, isn't our time better spent working on those problems and finding solutions to those problems rather than pontificate about our ideal political system. I mean, there are solutions to those problems. The question is, why aren't we adopting them? And the answer is because we have a dysfunctional and broken political system in which both parties would rather have issues to campaign on than, than actually make progress on, on solutions. So until we fix the political system, but we're not going to, you know, fix the everything else. I mean, it's sort of like if you if you you know need to get to work and you have a car that doesn't work, you got to fix your car first. You got to get, you know, you can't drive to work if you if the roads are crumbling, right? I mean, all, all of these things that are sort of basic operational principles. Now, yeah, there's a bunch of things that that, that bunch of problems that we have to solve, but we need a political system in, in which the incentives and structures are set up to allow us to to solve these problems and you know, that that is a challenging thing because it requires us to take a step back and think holistically about the political system rather than just run ahead but you know if you're you know if your car's not working you you know you got to fix it if your car's out of gas you got to fill up the gas if the roads aren't bridges bridges crumbling you got to repair the bridge uh, uh and our our, our bridge anywhere. is our roads are definitely crumbling that's for sure last question lee obviously we all know the difficulties in implementing any sort of electoral reform because the people that would have to implement it are the very same people that have benefited from the status quo so it becomes a, a very a sort of a catch-22 with that in mind some people mostly conservatives but not exclusively have pushed the idea of an article 5 convention a, a new constitutional convention a convention of the states that would essentially rewrite a a new american constitution and who knows maybe proportional representation can be a part of that have you looked at these article 5 uh, proposals and where do you come down on the issue of an article 5 convention I struggle with this because I, I, I do worry that if we completely open up our constitution, uh, we're, we're just not going to reach any agreement and it's going to be even more divisive. On, on the other hand, our, our constitution is considerably outdated and there are are, are a lot of things that I, I think we we ought to change about it. Uh, but I, I, I think we're going to need to make some changes that are allowed in our constitution, such as proportional representation, that can depolarize our politics a little bit before we 
engage in a constitutional battle. Because right now, if we open things up, I, I, I worry that we're not we're not going to be able to put things back together, given how polarized and deeply divided our our country is right now. And so I think proportional representation can move us towards some depolarization on, on make make us you know a little bit more tolerant of each other, see more possibilities, and then you know from there we'll have some basis on which to to rethink some of our outdated and antiquated constitutional structures. Lee Drutman, senior fellow in uh, the political reform program at New America, author of the book Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop, uh, and a very astute Simpsons fan. Lee Drutman, thanks so much for the time this morning. All right. My pleasure. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.